Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of May 11. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the firm that puts on the podcast. And we have with us today, Adam. Hey, hello. Adam is our design director. And it's just you and me today. It's just us. Yeah, so let's, uh, we've had some great guests. I think like three weeks in a row we had some terrific guests. Uh, but we're going to try to uh, manage the helm by ourselves today and see how that goes. I think, <laughs> I think we'll be fine. I think and we, we what's that? I think we can handle it. I think we'll be okay. But we are going to put down. We're going to put down a rule right from the start. This is going to be a no social media podcast. <gasps> I know. I know. Are you still going to be able to hang in there, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah? I'll see if I can if I can swing it. Okay. Well, we've we've. We've covered it heavily. A lot of our guests that we've had recently have been, uh, it's been one of their passions and it's an important deal, but we talked last week kind of about the Doppler effect, which is because it's new or whatever, it gets exaggerated and uh, it's kind of taken over our uh, our podcast of late. So we're going to try to go without it and see how we do, but I am going to ask Adam to uh, post-production if we are to accidentally mention social media uh, in any way that he puts in some kind of nasty sound effect. And uh, so we can be reminded later that uh, we try to stay away from it. So I'm going to jump in. Oh, and we should also mention that uh, we're doing this remotely, as you can probably tell from the sound. And Adam is at his house and he's having some contract work done. So uh, we like to mix it up when we do these podcast recordings. (laughs) So occasionally it may just be me chatting. I've got a video feed and I can see Adam uh, when there's, uh, you know, drywall dust flowing in his hair, or, uh, if you hear a buzzsaw in the background, that may be why, but we're going to try to keep that distraction to a minimum. Uh, but I do see that he has been pulled away to deal with, you know, some kind of awful contracting deal. And if you've gone through this, if you've had somebody, uh, in your house, if you've had any kind of significant, uh, work done in your house, you know how, uh, that can just kind of blow up your life. So we're trying to move forward. Uh, Adam's trying to live through all of this, so uh, we'll make do. But while he's out for a second, I'm going to jump in and probably the most important story uh, that's out there right now. Uh, and and I think you all know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, it's Brett Favre, and I know everybody can sit back down. Uh, if you're if you're not from Minnesota uh, or Wisconsin, this probably seems like a silly soap opera to you out there in the nation. Uh, and to be honest, that's my take on it as well. Uh, I'm a Viking fan, always been a Viking fan, but not not a diehard, haven't grown up with them. Uh, I didn't grow up in Minnesota. Uh, and so I don't have that ultimate hatred of the Packers the way many do around here. But I have to say I'm in agreement with, agreement, I don't know if that's a word, I'm in agreement with many across the country, which is get over yourself already. Uh, I, I had a, you know really enjoyed Brett Favre. Uh, in his career, he was the kind of competitor you like to watch. He won. He seemed like a genuinely good guy. And then the whole ordeal last year where he was, you know, back and forth with the Packers, and it just it drove me nuts personally. So, uh, you know, now here we are again. He's retired, but no, he's not. And now he's going to meet with the coach. By the time this podcast actually is posted, we may have a new quarterback in Minnesota or who knows. Uh, so this may be a moot point, but I have to tell you, I'm not looking forward to Brett Favre becoming a Viking, uh, mainly because I just can't deal with the prima donna bit. But also, if he comes, uh, I'm not sure that we'll be much more successful than we would have been anyway. I know most people wouldn't agree with that, but 
Uh, I'll have to root against them, uh, which is not good. And then if they start winning, I'll have to jump on the bandwagon, which is also not good. So uh, that's my take on that. And we see stuff come through Facebook. Oops, social media. <laughs> Adam's going to have to... Adam's going to have to drop some kind of sound effect bomb on me. We hear about this from across the country, from many channels. Uh, but I just wanted to hear one perspective from somebody who's in the heart of Viking land. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm in the minority on that, but I think there's a lot of other people like us out there. So with that said, let's dive into something healthcare marketing related. And I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something that's come up. Well, it comes up all the time. Uh, it's kind of a sensitive subject. And uh, I guess the best way to, to put it is uh, what I would call the power politics in healthcare marketing vis-a-vis physicians and what I would call smart marketing. So what I mean there is, well, first of all, some caveats. Clearly, those of you who worked in hospitals and, and health systems know what I'm talking about, and that's the power play physicians often pull uh, when it comes to marketing and advertising. But the caveats are, A, it's not always physicians. Uh, certainly, this can be leaders, uh, C-leaders, C-suite leaders, service line leaders, directors, that type of thing. And it's obviously not all physicians. We've come across so many great physicians and the work we've done for clients. Uh, it's a minority, but it's not a teeny minority. Uh, and I, and I, I venture to say that we've run across this. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong here, but virtually every client we've ever worked for, we've run into some kind of weird physician dynamic oh yes yes and and you know adam was on the inside so he probably has more stories but and we hear this from folks throughout the industry so here's what i'm talking about just to set the stage uh, but again i think most of you are familiar with this either a physician uh a leader a physician leader of a service line let's let's just use that so let's say it's an oncologist it's a uh it's a cardiologist something like that is either a uh, crying for more marketing because they need the business. And so this is why marketing is pulled in. Or they have been targeted by the organization or marketing, their service line, because it's important to the hospital or the health system. Mm-hmm. And so a marketing plan or marketing initiative is being developed, but it has to run through the key leaders in that service line, which include the physicians. And so what will happen, and I'll put, a, I'll put odds on it, one out of four times. Maybe it's less, but I don't think so. The physician will pull some kind of power play, meaning the marketing director, the marketing consultant, whoever has come up with a, a plan. So let's say we're going we're gonna to come up with a plan for 2009 for how to approach marketing your service line. May or may not include advertising. Usually it does. Uh, the physician, who typically doesn't get marketing, doesn't understand it, uh, will not approve of the approach. Uh, usually it goes back to advertising. And I know we joke about this a lot, but billboards are often brought up. But it doesn't have to be a billboard. It could be an ad, a newsprint ad. Uh, but they want some type of public advertising, consumer advertising, because they see it from their competitors, because that's all they know. Sometimes it's ego, because they want, you know, that's the next step. They want to be in the ads. Uh, you know, we hear so often, well, people know who I am. And if you just put this out there, we're going to get patients to come. So, so the question, the top of the talker here is how do you deal with this? Uh, it's not one in a hundred, so it's not something you can just kind of manage uh, or you get lucky and you, you avoid it. I think every marketing professional in healthcare deals with this. So how do you manage it? 
because you know the dynamic will happen they don't like it and they'll go above your head and if they don't like what the vp of marketing has to say they'll go higher and mm-hmm. so often the the coo or the ceo uh will give in and they're in a tough spot because they're dealing with all kinds of other things related to the physician and physician relations. And this seems like an easy give. But it so often ends up in bad marketing uh, choices, bad, cliched advertising. Uh, do you see this a lot, Adam, when you were, when you were on the inside? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's very common. It's very frustrating. The key is to have top leadership value marketing, understand right. marketing, and they're not gonna they're not gonna give in to the demands of people who come and ask for ridiculous ridiculous things. That's like saying the key to Middle East peace is having leaders that can sit down at the table and be reasonable, <laughs> right? Not that not that like you know, to your point, not that all healthcare marketing or healthcare leaders, so CEOs, CEOs, whoever, um, there are a few, like you said, who who get it. Uh but clearly if you're a marketing uh, associate, a marketing director, a marketing manager. Uh, you can't, you know, most of you are probably in situations where you don't have that backing. Uh, and you can't expect to change a CEO or COO's viewpoints overnight. So there's obviously some long-term strategies there. But, uh, you know, we've we've seen it all. We've seen uh, physicians argue about who is uh, in the foreground and who is in the background of a photo. We have mm-hmm. seen physicians complain about why does that doctor get to be in the ad because they haven't been here as long as we have. We've seen physicians. Uh, I can't. I, I have to keep this story anonymous, and I and I swore that I would. So I'm going to try to come up with a a close resemblance of the story. But <laughs> but imagine some kind of specialty where something's removed from the body. Okay, mm-hmm. and. The physician didn't like the proposed marketing tactics, including some advertising, and instead wanting to run a ad that showed uh, somebody holding, literally holding in their hand, the body part or parts that have been removed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding you. This actually happened. So this is how extreme it gets. Uh, and, you know, even more daunting than trying to help healthcare leaders, organizational leaders see the value of this stuff uh, is trying to get physicians. And, you know, we hear all the stereotypes of, well, doctor thinks he knows everything or she knows everything and has opinions and everything. They're not all like that. So we're painting a really broad stroke here. But uh, it is a dynamic that healthcare marketers have to deal with on an ongoing basis. And it would be great to hear from folks. Uh, and maybe we can pose it at the next, oop, I can't say it, the next whatever channel we might use to communicate with others uh, <laughs> see how they deal with that kind of situation. Right, right. So anyway, we wanted to throw that out there. And uh, it'd be great to get some feedback from physicians too uh, who who see this in their peers and wish they could do something about it uh, or who feel this way themselves. Uh, and, and I'll have to be honest with you when, when we've encountered this, when we've gotten an opportunity to sit down with physicians and not take very long, 20 minutes, maybe longer to explain the dynamics involved. Usually they're very receptive to that and they understand. Now, I don't know if that's because we're from the outside and outside consultants nearly universally are listened to more 
than the insight consultants, right? I mean, you know that too, Adam. And we, yep. we joke it's, with it. Go ahead. No, it's 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 another frustration. We t- we talk to our clients quite a bit about that, and uh, and they, you know, it's very frustrating because they could say, you know, hey, billboards are not going to sell uh, vasectomies. You know, let's just be extreme here. Uh, and they could mm-hmm. say it over and over and over again. Uh, then you get a consultant who comes in and says it, and people nod and go, "Oh, yes, you're right, you're right." What's the best way to do it? Well, you know, that's that's not exclusive just to healthcare. That's that happens in a lot of big organizations. And our perspective is, hey, if if we can help you, internal marketer, uh, overcome some of these ridiculous obstacles, if this kind of dynamic can help you, and you're okay with that, then let's use let's use it for good. You know, bring us in there and we'll sing the same song you're singing, assuming we agree with it. And if that can help move things off the schneid, then let's let's do that. And most of our clients are, you know, they get that and and they're and they would rather be effective than keep beating their head against the wall. But I can only imagine how frustrating that must be. Right. So uh but but I guess what I'm saying is to wrap that up, our experience has been when we sit down and we talk with physicians most of the time, the majority of time, they seem to to get it once right. you kind of explain the dynamics involved. Um, but again, I don't know if that's just because we're from the outside or or what the deal is. But uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to get some feedback on this and see what people think. Yeah, and you know, there's certainly been a number of times where where we've worked with physicians who are pretty pretty creative, intelligent when it comes to, when it comes to marketing or ones who are, who don't want to get through, who don't want to stick their fingers into this pie. And they're like, I don't, this isn't my area. You know, I, I keep people alive. This is your thing. Right. Right. And we've, you know, I've joked with, with some clients who've, you know, been through this for years and, you know, a common refrain is look, people don't push back on other elements. So you don't get a lot of people pushing back on the CFO's financial plan. Mm-hmm. You don't get a lot of people pushing back on IT typically when it comes to uh, well they push back on uh, e- EMRs electronic medical records because they don't want to deal with them but not necessarily on the technology behind it or the strategy behind it um, but it's it's partly because I think people boil marketing down to such a simple all we need to do is run a billboard all we need to do is put my name out there uh, and in perhaps in you know, glory days gone by that might've worked. Uh, but we've said enough times that no, 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 it's much more complicated, uh, market these days, much more competitive. You can't just, you can't just say you're here and and people will come. Mm -hmm. So, okay. We've beat that one to death, but we'll see if we get some (laughs) feedback. And if we do, uh, we'll share it in future podcasts, but I wanted to introduce a new segment as well for this podcast because we, we ask for, we always ask for, you know, ideas on what we could cover. And a couple people have suggested, uh, how can we, how can we discuss some of the cliches we see in healthcare marketing? So I thought we could uh, introduce a segment we would call flush a hospital marketing cliche. Let's just talk about one of these and I'll give some examples here. But what's first of all, I thought we'd define cliche. I think we all know what a cliche is, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, here's here's the definition from dictionary.com. A trite, stereotyped expression, a sentence or phrase usually expressing a popular or common thought or idea that has lost originality, ingenuity, and impact by long overuse, such as sadder but wiser or strong as an ox. 
All right, so we'll use that. Maybe we'll come back and refer to that. Uh, what are some cliches? Boy, we could spend a long time listing cliches. Here's some examples. Well, we just talked about using physicians in ads. Cliche in healthcare marketing. Uh, we're ranked number one in fill in the blank, whatever award you want to talk about. Uh, the open house is a cliche. <laughs> But here, I want to start with a simple one, okay? We can come back to those maybe in another podcast. But here's the one I want to, that, that somebody threw out, uh, again, in one of those channels we're not talking about right now. Uh, and that is the use of the term state of the art. Do you think that's a cliche, Adam, in what we do? Possibly. I think it's, I think it's a cultural cliche. Right. Um, it probably extends into what we do as well. Um, although sometimes I feel that our industry... You know, while you see some amazing technology in terms of some of the um, equipment that like surgeons use, um, when oftentimes when it comes to other areas of the other aspects or other areas of a healthcare organization, technology is just lacking. So the term "state of the art" in healthcare is I oftentimes just roll my eyes when I hear it because I'm right. thinking that this is not state of the art. You are about <laughs> ten years behind this other industry. Well, so. Somebody somebody uh, suggested, quoted, the overuse of state-of-the-art suggests the term is actually antiquated, which I think is funny and one of those kind of mind-warp things. It's hard to get around. But, <laughs> you know, state-of-the-art is a—it actually means something. So we've mm-hmm. got some—you know, I could give you a, a quote from Dictionary.com on what it means. The highest level of development, very up-to-date, uh, as in, quote, this new television set reflects state-of-the-art in screen technology. So it can actually stand for something. Uh, and so the question is, how is it used and is it overused? So when people say, I think, first of all, if a hospital or health system uses state-of-the-art without backing it up immediately, it's bad. Because it is so mm-hmm. used, if you're going to trot this thing out, you better you better demonstrate what you mean right away. Otherwise, it's toss-off fluff. Then the trick becomes, what is state-of-the-art? So here's a great example. Is the Da Vinci robot state-of-the-art? I don't know. I mean, there are, there are, you know, we've worked with folks that have been the last in their market to introduce it. So in that market, it's not really state-of-the-art. It's state-of-the-art relative to leeches, Right. Or whatever, you know, they didn't have before Da Vinci robot. Well, there's a little danger, too, in, in healthcare promoting something as state of the art. I mean, state of the art means this this thing is new. This thing is the latest in technology. It's ju- it's cutting edge. Oh, there's, oh! There's, another, there's another cliche yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's brand new. This is something that um, I don't know that I would be a little scared, to be honest, if I were going to have a cutting edge state of the art first class blazer cutting something out of me per se. I, I might, I might prefer to have the tried and true scalpel digging, whatever it might be out of me or the last year's laser. That's now antiquated, but proven. Right. <laughs> to be and what's that's the difference between state of the art and cutting edge in my mind. Cutting edge could mean unproven. And th- you know what you're talking about is how a lot of people look at buying new cars a lot of people will not buy the first year of a new model release because right. because nobody knows how this thing's going to hold up after a year of driving or theoretically. So, you know, whether state-of-the-art reflects that or not, I, it's also a very intriguing phrase, state-of-the-art. 
It's it's got art in it, even though it's typically applied to technology, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if you actually stop and think about it literally, it's kind of a a funky phrase. But but I think I think it is cliched. Uh, it it has a meaning, but because it's so overused and it's not used appropriately, uh, either in applying to things that are not state of the art or just as fluff filler, uh, it's it's a problem. Right. And it, it and the problem is, it doesn't help you by using it because people will just gloss right over it because it just sounds like blah 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 cutting edge blah 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 you know in our industry it's think outside the box i saw a great quote from somebody who said if an ad agency tells you to think outside the box then you should fire them immediately uh (laughs) because they're not thinking originally that's the point that's the irony of that statement that if you're using it you're not even you're not even you know thinking outside the box and using a phrase maybe a little harsh but uh so here's what i want to do i'm going to Ask us to swear an oath, the flush a cliche oath. Are you going to swear this with me, Adam? And anybody listening to this podcast, I ask you to to follow along. Okay? (laughs) So here we go. I state your name. I state your name. (laughs) Nice. That was such a softball. I knew that was coming. (laughs) All right. I state your name. Do solemnly swear. Oh, Adam's taking a drink. You got to repeat it. Do you oh, solemnly swear? I swallowed. I with the, I drank my Dr. Pepper. Okay, I solemnly Sorry. swear to not use state of the art whenever possible. To not use state of the art whenever possible, and only use it in the event that it actually applies to a state of the art example. That was way too long. Okay, but you get the point. <laughs> or, or if my job is in jeopardy because somebody who has more power than I in the organization insists on using state of the art and it's not worth losing your job <laughs> over a cliche. <laughs> we'll, we'll, right, we'll type that out in the show notes so you can read it. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Screen. But hopefully that will get us to at least, if we could all draw back our use of state of the art, maybe some point down the road it will have effectiveness again. Perhaps. Fair enough. Perhaps. Yes. Or we could come up with a different, an alternative. You know, what's an alternative? The state of the art. Status of the science. <laughs> no? It doesn't, doesn't quite have the same ring. <laughs> it doesn't. That's the beauty of a cliche. Everybody knows what it means. Yeah. It, so, develops, it develops a ring once it becomes a cliche. It does. Thus the, the conundrum. Yes. All right. Well, I think I think we've we've covered that, and we will get some suggestions from others on cliches we could discuss. They don't have to be words or phrases. They can be again tactics or strategies or sacred cows or whatever. And I think that'll be a nice segment. So, flush the cliche will be a new ongoing segment for us. And with that, I think we could flush the podcast. All right. You got, any, you got anything you want to to add? No. Nope. No? Not today. All right. Good. Well, I think we're at a good stopping point. So. For Interval, this is Chris Bevelo, Adam Meyer, and thank you for joining us for Healthcare Marketing Insights, and we will talk to you next week.